0: which is right, and to me, which is pure. And so we as a church, even though there are uh, humans in this world, and we're not perfect, but we serve the perfect one. And in my belief, as we will be teaching today, is that God himself planned the United States of America to at times save the world from starvation, to save the world from tyranny, to save the world from uh, so many evil things that are out there and that are still out there. People want to destroy this nation, but God himself has raised up this nation, and we are in a season of breakthrough, and even though we see what we see, we hear what we hear, I wanna tell you, Valley Community Church, that we are going to have a breakthrough not only in our personal lives, our church, but in our nation. And we're going to see as Scripture promises that in the latter days, the Holy Spirit will rise up and he will anoint us greater than we've ever been anointed before in our lives. And so I say to you, in Jesus' name, rise up and explode in gratitude for your nation the United States of America. Let's give it an applause for our nation. It is so good to see you. My wife and I took a few days off, and Dr. Remy, I want to thank you uh, for the message that was given. Amen. We have the greatest people in the world that's part of our our church. For those that are watching online uh, and live, I want you to know that we care about you too, and we want you to hear the Word of God, that it would encourage you to do greater things for the kingdom of God, which will be a blessing to this nation. I'm going to continue today on the series, Why I Am Here, but I am titling the second half differently And the second half title of this series is, How Do I Know? Now, I want you to recognize this, is that I really want you to see the word I. How do I know? And I want us to get to a place, because in today's day, we find a great deception that is going on trying to confuse us of the real identity that God placed for us as people. Now that you know from the last three weeks your Christian calling, your commitment to your call, and what is your career, let me talk to you about how do I know there is a God? I know that maybe you haven't even asked that question. Maybe you haven't even uh, thought of that during this time with all the busyness of the graduations and school and, and the summer school, and now you got a holiday and you've you got food in the oven, I promise you I'll get done early. But, the well, I will try to get done early. And, and I, I want you to, to recognize that we have to really understand why we believe there is a God. And how do I know The Bible is true next week. And the following week is, how do I know Jesus is the only way? And we're gonna show you this through scripture and just plain truth. So the next three weeks, let's emphasize again, how do I know these things? In the last 30 years, I've been in ministry 43 years total, and in the last 30 years, the church has gotten a little confused, and it's not really the congregations, I believe, that it's the leadership of the church. The gospel has become a social gospel. Scripture is a social scripture. It teaches us how to relate with one another. It teaches us how to walk in such a, a unity The Bible talks about that we are to be a people of unity and being able to walk together. So it's not something new, uh, social, but I want to tell you that when the church begins to believe the point of view of those that are not born again, then they are teaching the wrong social gospel, truth and revelation of God the Bible, the Word, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been watered down. And we need to recognize in this deception that sometimes us, we, leadership in the church and even the congregation, the church can begin to believe the people's social gospel instead of God's social gospel. Now, What we must understand is we get to a place where we think we need to teach how to get along. But I want to tell you, the Bible always teaches us about this, and it literally means honoring others is how you do that. So teaching the social gospel of this is what I believe and I have freedom to believe whatever I want to believe is not a true or truth because we need to recognize that honoring others is how you relate to one another is that we have to honor one another but there still is a truth that all of us need to believe and that's what we're going to do in the next three weeks I'm going to show you and not debate with anybody not try to press things on you but I'm going to show you how the deception can be removed in our lives and we can still accomplish this socially uh, thing that our founders planned to break out of slavery, to break out of tyranny, to break out of all these things so that we can live the calling of God that is on all our lives. This is the greatest nation in the world. All those years of preaching the gospel, I have never had a government official come in and tell me that there are certain things that I cannot teach because there's freedom. Now, in this series, I again want to emphasize the word I or how do I know. So, today, how do I know there is a God? Let's begin with the first point. There is a correct world view. It's called Christianity. I'll say it again. There is a correct world view and it is called Christianity. In this view, I'm going to give you four words that define this world view or what scripture brings us. In the next three weeks, you'll see it. But I'm, I'm focused on how do we know that there's a God? Well, I go to church every, I went to Sunday school, I did this and I, and they tell me there's a God. Well, how do you know that there's a God? And we're going to discuss this today. So the four words that define the world worldview is origin, I'm going to get a little scientific later on. Meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. It's a worldview that's going to fulfill you as a person must address these four things. So let's explain these four things basically with a question. The first one, origin, bottom line is, how did I get here? If you're going to have a worldview that you can live with and it fulfills you, you would like to know how you got here. Christianity is you were created by God. And we will discuss this a lot. The next question that we should ask, or the second thing we need to word, is the word meaning is why am I here? The last three weeks we talked to you about your calling, what God placed in you, why are you here? The next word, morality, is how do I, how do you as an individual define good and evil? Because every person defines good and evil in this world. Ask yourself then, how do you define good and evil? The fourth word is destiny what happens to me after death i don't have the time to show you and teach you i did a study about 25 years ago on buddhism hinduism and islamism one of these value words are not in these religions and they can't answer the four. It's extremely, extremely important church, and I'm talking to the believer, that you're able to determine what your world view is. If we're gonna walk in our calling, if we're gonna walk in our careers, we're gonna do these things in this world, then we need to understand these things and understand our worldview that way that we are not deceived or deception cannot come into our homes. And as scripture says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Before we continue, let me tell you of a pastor that I'm gonna ask you to Google, but I'm gonna also tell you that this pastor fell in sin in his latter years of his life. But for many years, this man did great things in the community and also our universities and colleges. His name is Rabbi Zacharias. Some of you know his story and basically you've thrown him out in, in the trash can because he had sinned in the latter years of his life. But he would speak to students and answer their questions. He passed away May nineteenth, two 2020, of cancer at 74 years of age. One question was asked of him, and the question is, why are you so afraid of subjective morality? That's a buzzword of today, subjective morality morality i'll show you what it is i'll explain it to you subjective morality meaning is each person decides what is right for himself or herself have you heard that a little bit today many christians today say well every person should be able to be free and to decide what's right for them okay scripture teaches freedom but there is freedom when there is a consistent belief. So what that tells me, many believers have not thought this through or their world view through. So the student asks, why are you so afraid of this? And so Rabbi's answered, was this. Do you, to the student, do you lock your doors at night the student says, Of course I live in they said certain place. And then the rabbi said in that statement, You're the one afraid of subjective morality. Because if morality is subjective, then someone might decide that it's moral to put a bullet through your head. Because they have the freedom. To decide what's right or wrong. You can't have subjective morality because murder is wrong. Flat out. Matter of fact, the Bible and the commandment says, Thou shalt not commit murder. It doesn't say, thou shalt not kill. When we go to war, God doesn't come against people that kill when the war is done correctly. It says, thou shalt not commit murder. And so I hear all the time in the subjective morale, well, you're talking about this trying to put rules and regulations on me. How come the Bible says thou shalt not kill? Then if you do this or do this, okay, that's the argument. But bottom line, you gotta go back to morality or truth. The Bible says thou shalt not commit murder there's a difference. You have to have objective morality. There are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong, bottom line. And we have to come to a place in our life, in our ministry, in our careers, and everything that we do, church, is to understand, bottom line, there are some things right and there are some things wrong. And in that, we find those things in Scripture. Next week, we're going to talk about how do you know that the Word is true? How do you know that we should live by the Word of God? So let's continue. Hitler did not believe murder was wrong. I have seen the picture of piles of children's eyeglasses. I've seen the gas chambers, those that went with us to Cambodia, You saw the killing fields. Those people thought they were doing the right thing, committing murder. So, church, don't think about telling me that, you know, that each person person should decide what's right or wrong. There's a bottom line truth that we need to carry our life all the way through. Because if we think that way, subjective morality, then you will have what we have today in our nation. There is an absolute, and you need to look as a person, what your worldview is by these four things, these four words I showed you. So follow me, I know I'm getting, gonna be getting deep here, I'm gonna be, get scientific. Let's talk about another popular worldview is evolution and evolution addresses none of the four things, it meets no criteria of those four words. It doesn't address how we got here and why we're here. You just crawled, became, was an amoeba and crawled onto the earth. Its essence says we are time, you hear it in a lot of the movies today, in essence says we are time, matter and chance. So my question is, if you're just time, matter, and chance, then why do you react to tragedy? If it's just time, matter, and chance, we shouldn't react to tragedy. Whatever happens bad, we should just, that's just chance, they lost, I won. I'm introducing some pretty heavy stuff today, but if you're just metaphysical and you don't have a soul, why do you react to tragedy? You react because you have a soul, because you are a person identified by the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a call, you are a friend of God. That's what Scripture tells us. When you see people shot and killed, you react because you have a heart and a soul. When our church rose up and took care of the police and the sheriff's department, the fire department, and the first responders during the murder of these two officers, you rose up. Why? Because you had a soul. You had a call in your life. You are a person. You have a reality of what you are. I am still getting responses by our city and people in our city of what you did. I couldn't get here because they wouldn't allow me to get on campus. But those who are here, you rose up and well done because you had a soul. Evolution doesn't address the four things. You basically just die and nothing happens. History of evolution began with a man named Darwin who writes a book entitled The Origin of Species. And he wrote it in 1859. And did you know that there are two chapters that were written uh, doubting his theory? So what he, he wrote, he believed he wrote two chapters in doubting what he wrote. Darwin said, if evidence doesn't come forth in a scientific world in a reasonable amount of time, this theory is disapproved. It's been 163 years since he wrote this. So my statement to you is evolution is disapproved. There is no evidence that one species has mutated to another species ever in the human realm. Well, in the animal kingdom, this species mutated to this one, yes. But where did the first one come from? Did you ever answer that? Where did the first one come from? It doesn't address where the first life cell came from. We're still looking for the missing link. So it's very important what your worldview is, that it's correct, that it will satisfy your heart and your soul. It brings, and I'm going to use a term I rarely use, it brings a balance of thought, a consistency. But if I want to use a biblical term, It's called faith. It's called a God kind of faith that is committed. The answer again is Christianity. You're created and called by God. The second point I will tell you with a disclaimer and I'm not gonna talk real fast like they do on the radio or the the news. Let's talk about atheism and agnosticism. Atheism and agnosticism. An atheist says there is no God. So here's my second point. There is no such thing as an atheist. There is no such thing as an atheist. It is scientifically impossible to be an atheist. And I'm going to show you why even if you don't believe me, you don't have an answer to what I just said. The definition of an atheist is a person who states there is no God. Now, because that doesn't work, that verbiage, now they've changed the definition of an atheist in a lot of the newer books. Many books have changed the definition to this. An atheist is a person who doesn't believe in the existence of God. Notice the change. In everything worldview that is not based on Scripture, they always change. If you study Buddhism, Islamism, all that, I'm not against people. I love people. God loves people. But when they continually change things, The Word of God is the same. Jesus Christ, the Word, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it never changes. And we'll prove that to you next week. So a person who doesn't believe in the existence of God, why? They, too, know it is foolish to be an atheist. So they're trying to water down their definition. So let me explain that statement. All right, follow me. In order to say something doesn't exist, you would have to have all knowledge. Well, here's an illustration. If you said, did you know in California there is no such city named El Monte? All of you would say, you're lying. All right, my question would be, Have you been in every city in California? I would tell you, there's not one person in this house or listening that you've been in every city in California. Have you studied California? Because I've been in El Monte and have first knowledge of El Monte. And in El Monte, there are some wonderful, great people. gather here see you must know everything of California and been to every city to say there is not a city called El Monte so for someone to say there is no existence they don't believe there's an existence of God is foolish because they don't have all knowledge Now, the studies show the smartest person in the world has less than 1% of all knowledge. Follow me. Okay, I'm just just trying to help you because what we're doing is we've talked about our call. We've talked about our ministries. We've talked about going out and loving people and preaching the truth, the gospel, bringing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How do you do that well if you don't know there's a God? If you don't have a solid worldview, if you don't recognize these things, because, you know, yeah, but, uh, well, that makes sense. We start thinking, well, that makes sense. Bottom line, the word is true, and we need to stick to what the word of God says. So how much does the smartest person know of all math? How many of you? I've done all these. Trigonometry, calculus, and algebra. Some of us can't even pronounce that word. How much does the smartest person know of all history? Were you there? How much does he know of all the states in the United States or all the countries? Can he speak every language in the world fluently and dissect every sentence, every consonant, every vowel, and conjugate every verb in every language? Now, I lost some of you. Because you don't know what the word conjugate means. I found out last week. No, just kidding. The person who has the highest IQ in the world, his name is Christopher Langan. Christopher Langan. And one statement was from him smartest person in the world that's recognized. You can prove the existence of God, the soul, and the afterlife using mathematics. Scientific proof. That's not taught in our schools. And I love our schools. I love our teachers, many of them sitting here in many rows. So let's say the smartest person in the world has 2% of all knowledge, and it's you is it possible in the 98% of all knowledge that you don't have or something you don't have or something exists that you don't know about is it possible that someone that says there's no existence of god that in that 98% the smartest person in the world that there could be the existence of god so to say, I'm an atheist, is foolish. It's foolish. Matter of fact, <laughs> the Bible tells us, Psalm 14:1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fool means, it's deep, watch this, foolish person. You can say, I don't know if there is a God now, What that would be is agnostic. Gnostic comes from the word Gnosticism means knowledge. And you put A-G, ag, means does not know there is a God or have full knowledge of it. Okay? There are a lot of people who haven't come to the revelation that God is real. And church family... We live in the greatest nation in the world, freedom, to preach the gospel with our life. There are people that are dying without the knowledge of God, and it's up to us to do this. Wherever you're at, I'm not talking about going to work and standing on a pulpit and preach. No, you be the best worker. You preach the gospel by being the best employee or the best boss or the best mom, the best dad. Here's my third point, and we'll close with this point. There is a God. There is a God. Remember our question is, how do I know there is a God? You might turn my reasoning around and say this, well." Since, pastor, you don't have all knowledge, and I can't say definitely (laughs) that there is no God, you don't have all knowledge, and how can you say there is a God? Trying to turn that around. My answer to you is simple. Using the same example of El Monte in saying this. You would say to me, there is no Pastor Dan Downey. Have you met everybody in the world? How can you say there is no Pastor Dan Downey? Pastor Dan, can you just stand for a moment? I want to introduce to you Pastor Dan Downey. Thank you, Pastor. So you can't tell me there is no Pastor Dan Downey unless you've met everyone in the world and Dan wasn't there. But I'm looking at him. He's here. But I can tell you there is a Dan Downey sitting in the second row Once in a while he gets up, he gets a text and he goes out, take care of something. But listen closely. Again you say, How can you say this is a there is a Dan Downey in the world? Because Pastor, you haven't met everybody in the world. You're right. But I know Dan. I don't have to meet everybody in the world because I met Dan Downey. I can tell you there is a Dan Downey because I've met him. I talked with him, and he is my friend. His character is amazing. He's faithful to his call. He's a blessing. He memorizes Scripture. He sings halfway decent, too. Notice I said Halfway. He's a good man. I know Dan. I can tell you there is a God because I met him. I talk with him every day. And he's my friend. And I could spend three weeks I've spent months talking to you about God's character. He's pure. He's holy. He's faithful. He's a lover of my soul. He's a father. He's a savior. He's a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's a healer. He calls me. He comforts me. He's a God that is my savior. When I was 18, I had a worldview or no worldview, I was living blindly. I had someone explain to me not the details of the cross, but the details of God's love. And I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I met him then. And then I began to learn about him. In the Christian worldview, God created you. And God didn't create robots. He created you with a mind so you can think. With a heart so you can feel. And with a will so you can choose. God will never Force you to choose him, you have to make a choice to choose him. Scripture says, Pastor Dan, you quoted it to me this morning, and I knew it was in my, my text that I wrote in a couple weeks ago. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you know that there is a God? You taste him, who he really is. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible teaches us of who he is and what he has accomplished in and through us. You see the, the arteries and the veins of, of God himself in so many things in our world. How do we face a tragedy because we are are humans created in the image and likeness of God when two officers are killed, that we knew these officers? How do we face this? Because there is a God that hates evil, and we hate evil too because we have determined to know what true evil is. It was demonic but God himself brings comfort to us during these tragic times. Why would God allow these these things to happen? Because mankind has been given a choice, either to choose righteousness or unrighteousness, either to choose good and evil. But good and evil are described in scripture God is the one that defines it. And when you have a Christian worldview, then your worldview of what is good and what is evil never changes. Doesn't change with culture. It stays the same. But all of us at some time in your life has chosen to go the wrong way. But the God that I know God sent Jesus to die an agonizing death on the cross to pay for all of my sins, all of your sins. Why? So if we believe in Jesus and submit our will to Jesus, we can be saved, the Bible says. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, excuse me. But let me read Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. And I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust in him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing (laughs) that we had better be doing so if we believe in Jesus and submit our will to Jesus we can be saved the Bible says forgiven of all our sins and spend eternity with God you have a soul watch this you have a soul and it will live on past your body God's plan. The question is, is, your, is it going, your soul, is it going to live in heaven with God or in hell without God? God wants you with him, so God provided the way. Jesus Christ, our Savior. The only problem is, He gave you a choice. And in Matthew 18:20 says, God will show up if you want him. How do you know that there is a God? You want him. He will show up. See, when you sit in your workplace and someone says, well, why do you go to church? Why do you do this when all this evil happens? Why does God allow all this stuff to go on? They're thinking through the ideas of subjective morality. They're thinking that I have to have control of everything in my life because if you're saying that there's a God, this God will never do anything right because look what he allows in this world because their mentality is subjective morality. It's that everybody Decides what is right or wrong. That's why you have murderers. That's why you have people, because they think they have a right to kill someone, murder someone for what they want. The Bible says, Thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not lie. See, the Ten Commandments is bottom line how do you relate with God and how do you relate with one another? A lot of people think the Ten Commandments are telling you don't, 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 don't. The Ten Commandments are freeing you up. A mentor of mine, his name was Pastor Ron Mill. Some of you have been at Life Pacific and all the, the different uh, universities, Angeles Temple. Ron Mill uh, wrote a book called The Tender Commandments. Powerful book that talks about that it's not just do's and don'ts. It's a freedom when you have a correct worldview to be able to live a life of joy and freedom. That's what God wants you to do. But he's saying, I'm here. All you need to do is want me, and I will present myself to you. Most other religions, most other belief systems, worldviews, teaches you humanism that you are the God. You are the one that makes a decision. You are the one that decides what's right and wrong. And God says, no, I've set it up that if my people will submit to my will and my ways and know my ways, I will heal your land. That's what's happening in the church today. That's what's happening with you. And that's why it's such a joy with all the struggle of this world to be a shepherd to be able to pastor you into knowing the ways of God so you have a choice your choice is if you're going to love and serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on this earth or not church family that determines your destiny now Stay with me, and many of you that are believers, pray with me now in a silent way. If you are listening to me and watching, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It's not by your works. It's not by being the, the best person in the world, or even the smartest person in the world. God set it up simply. He did the work. What he wants you to do is by faith believe in that work and allow him to reveal himself to you. And when you do that, I promise you, he will show you himself. And so if you ask your your question here, how do I know that there is a God? He will show you. He's there when things are tough in your marriage, when things are tough with your children, maybe your children have gone astray and they're doing things that you know are wrong, God will show you his comfort, his truth to help you along the way. But always remember, our founding principles of this nation, the Declaration of Independence, is based on scripture. So to give the freedom to be able to seek God. There's only one God that is alive, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm going to show you that. Amen. I'm going to show you that in the next couple of weeks. We're going to see it in the Word. We're going to see it in everything, but it takes a person to believe, and to have faith. So if you're here in this room or watching on TV or listening on your computer, I want you to recognize this. You have a choice, and you need to make that choice. And when you do, and those four words that we talked about, God will fulfill those, and he'll show you every one of that. And you will have an objective morality that will decide the decision. It's not based on our body, it's not based on what we feel, our emotions, it's based on the truth of the word of God. And I'm gonna say this to you, and I'm gonna be very straight, and I'm not gonna back away from my statement. Abortion is wrong. And you can ask the question, you can ask the question regarding, well, what if, what if, what if, And I'm going to to say to you, what if comes by understanding that abortion is wrong, but the reality is, if it's going to save a life, then there's going to be an ability to be able to work. And even then, you need to be praying and asking God what decision you need to make. Amen. So I will not argue with people, but I will tell you, my base of my decisions and choices and belief system is on the Word of God. Next week, I will show you, and I want to tell you, uh, the the lies of of the world going out there on the news and everything, they're taking away your rights. I, I just want to tell you, no, they're giving back the rights to the people by overturning this 50 years ago. Getting the rights back to the people that you have a choice That's the founding principles of our declaration and our constitution. And I want to tell you that I'm preaching and that's the founding principle of the word of God, that you have the freedom to choose. Amen. But to choose the difference between right or wrong. And I will stand in front of anybody and say, in many cases, not because I feel it, Not because I'm emotional about it, but because the Word of God says it. Life begins at conception. Let's all stand. See, you can talk about these things without being emotional. Everyone, are you with me? Okay, I know I got deep here today. Got a little scientific. But you can talk about these things without being emotional. That is a terminology that is used, a a constant thing that is used in our world, world point of view, that is not based on Scripture, to be emotional first. And what you need to do is sit and listen and love people. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get them to be perfect. We're trying to get them to be saved and to be introduced like, we know there's an Elmani. We know that there's a Dan Downey. And we know that there is a God. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, our Savior's name is Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for all those watching all over the world. All the churches in many different countries. In Jesus' name, I proclaim people to be saved and healed, filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in your ways, Father. Thank you, Lord, for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Bless this family greater than it's ever been blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.